Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Out in the cold, out in the dark, something's lurking at the edge of the park. People be warned, people beware, there's a storm on the rise and it's covered in hair. Hear him cry, hear him howl, looking for someone to disembowel. Claws like a hook, eyes like coal, feet so big they're gonna crush your soul. They call him Sasquatch. This is Yowie Central. Welcome to the show. You're on 94.9 Main FM and you're with Sarah Bignall. This is the community radio show where we bring you the latest on Yowie research in Australia. And we delve into the vast and endlessly fascinating realm of Bigfoot, Sasquatch, cryptozoology from here and around the world. We go into all sorts of weird stuff, paranormal encounters, UFO sightings, you name it. And don't forget, this is a community radio show, which means you are all part of this Yowie Central community and the Main FM community. You're all welcome to contact me if you've had a Yowie encounter or you've had freaky experiences in the bush with orbs or Min Min lights or UFOs or anything else kooky and spooky. Get in touch with me via yowiecentral at gmail.com or via the Yowie Central Facebook group if you have a story to share. I want to give a big, warm, fuzzy shout-out to all the Yowie Central Facebook crew out there and to everybody tuning in. really appreciate each and every one of you. I hope you've all had a great week. Since I've been doing this show, I've... I've been thinking about an old workmate of mine. Uh, I'm talking at least 10 years ago, and he was, is, still is, one of the smartest, most ridiculously multi-talented people I've ever met. He was also a lovely guy and one of the few people I knew at that time who'd actually heard of Yowies. Not only had he heard of them, but he was just as fascinated as I was in the subject. And 
he also had his own encounters in South Australia to share. And so I remembered that. Years later, I finally got around to contacting Simon and we had a fascinating chat about yaoi's, about geographic information system mapping, singing Neanderthals, Homo sapiens, the evolutionary journey, and so much other seriously cool stuff. Here it is. Simon, my friend, my dear old friend, welcome to Yowie Central. Hi, Sarah. We connected many years ago when we were workmates teaching English as a second language because one, we've both we both share a love for Spain and and spent time in the same neighbourhoods in Madrid. But also, you were one of the only people I knew who was had the same interest in me, uh, same interest as me in Yowies and Bigfoot and stuff like that. Um, and I remember you told me once that you and your mum had kind of separate possible Yowie encounters, and I wondered if you could tell the Yowie Central listeners about about that. Absolutely. I mean, I was so so pleased when we got onto the subject of. Yowie's at work, Sarah, because I'd recently become uh, a little bit obsessed with them. Um, (laughs) It happens. (laughs) It happens. It happens. I was kind of like really interested in um, early human evolution and, uh, you know, Neanderthals and and Homo erectus and all, all those kind of lost subspecies of humans. And and it was uh, I was wondering to myself whether the Yeti actually was um, uh, lost Neanderthal tribe. So I started, I jumped online and to my absolute surprise, I found that Australia had its uh, own version of the Yeti, the Yowie. And the more I looked into it, the more I realised that it was, a, it was you know, a real thing that had been sighted since colonial times. Anyway, so I, I was doing, doing, jumping into it and learning all about it. And um, then I, I kind of remembered something that had happened when I was about uh, 10 years old in living in the Adelaide Hills in a town called Meadows. So a couple of incidences around the 1980s. Our neighbour, uh, well, I basically I lived on a big uh, farm. Um, it actually used to belong to Antarctic explorer Doug, Sir Douglas Mawson. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> yeah, he, he was a... Um, an English botanist. Oh no, he was a botanist. He was an Australian, obviously, but but he he um, had studied botany and he planted all these English trees around this uh, amazing property. So we had um, a, an oak forest and we had um, pine forests. We had all these different varieties of um, trees and and and, and, and environments. So beautiful, beautiful property. One of our neighbours across the road had been driving home late one night and he was in his four-wheel four drive or his use, I guess, at the time and stopped because there was a kangaroo or what he thought was a kangaroo lying on the road. He got out of the car and just said uh, very bizarrely that the kangaroo got up and walked away on two legs so that was a very odd, <laughs> odd, odd thing to say. He was, um, yeah. and the, I guess that's the only way he could describe it. What it was, anyway. Are you still, uh, still in touch with him, or I actually because um, you and I caught up last week and had a bit of a chat, and I tried to track him down. 
we weren't that close, but um, I, I couldn't get in contact with him, unfortunately. But I, I did want to have a chat to him before today. I'd be so, interested. I'd love to. If you do, if you do ever manage to track him down, I'd love to talk to him. To yes, definitely. Yeah, that'd be cool. De- definitely, absolutely. I've sent I've sent an email to I think it's his son, so we'll see if he writes back. Oh, cool. cool. Or if he's listening in. Yeah, <laughs> well, he, he might be. <laughs> <laughs> he might be. <laughs> so then another couple of odd things happened around the same time, but at the time I didn't see them as connected. So the, f- the first thing was that my mum uh, was driving home late one night from from Meadows to the to the um, to the farm, and uh, she ran out of petrol, unfortunately. So it was only about uh, a five k walk back home. She uh, thought I'll go just leave the car and you know we'll bring the other bring the other car tomorrow morning and fill it up. So she walked, she w- cut through the, the farm. And she came across a, a very strange scene. And I spoke to her um, a couple of days ago just to get a fresh, fresh version. She said that she saw the uh, sheep in the paddock all backed up against the fence, all absolutely terrified of something that was in the darkness, but she couldn't see what it was. And they were all looking at it and they were all um, freaking out. And she thought perhaps it was a fox at the time, but having grown up on, on farms, she thought there wasn't a fox. But she also got really, really scared and hightailed it back home. So this was around the same time as the, as the hairy man. Then um, the, third, the third thing that happened was I was walking home from a barbecue at a neighbor's place and where we grew up, the neighbor's place was like uh, four kilometers away on, a, on another farm. So I got bored. Um, I wanted to go home and, and play with my um, Commodore 64. So <laughs> <laughs> I um, decided to to walk walk home, and it was it was it was late. It was uh, it was pitch dark. I knew the way I'd, I'd walked walk that way a hundred times before, and suddenly I felt like I was being watched by something, and I. My heart started racing. I started getting really uh, nervous, and I just bolted home. I just start, I sprinted home. I was so terrified. I couldn't say what it was. I couldn't. There was nothing there. I couldn't see anything. But I just had this very, very uh, weird feeling of being watched and a feeling of panic and dread. It wasn't until later, when I was um, investigating, yeah, I was, I guess, in my thirties, that I put pieced these three incidences together. And then I went on to the Australian Yowie Research Centre and was just looking at stories, and I came across a story of some Boy Scouts who had um, encountered uh, a, a man or uh, in a place called Willunga. Now, Willunga um, near Kaipo Forest was about three to four kilometres away from where we lived, and the time it happened was around the same period. Yeah, that was so, early, early 90s. Early 90s, yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah. When I saw that, I thought, oh, wow, that, that really kind of um, those, uh, those, let's say, four uh, incidences um, made me think that there was a yowie around. Yeah. I think that was a pretty logical, logical conclusion to arrive at. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Describe that feeling, that feeling of dread and being watched for us. I, 
I actually can remember it really clearly. It was a, a large, uh, very open, open paddock. And I actually, at the time, never wore shoes <laughs> 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 on the farm. I had leather sole feet from doing that. Yeah. And I remember just walking and, you know, with my thoughts and then just freezing and this kind of like, um, dread sunk down uh, into my, into, uh, I guess, into my brain. I, I looked over to the trees about probably about, I don't know, uh, 600 metres away where the, where the boundary of the property was, very dark. So couldn't see anything there, but I just had this feeling that I was being watched and um, my heart started pounding. The, uh, the thought just blinked into my head run and i just ran as fast as i could in absolute terror about um one and a half kilometers all the way home yeah right how old were you about 14 or something about 14 yeah 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 wow yeah wow and yeah. i we I, we met we you and i talked last week mm. and i mentioned it there's we we get reports to to australian yowie research all the time about that exact feeling of suddenly people feeling this immense feeling of dread that they're being watched, that they are somehow in danger. Uh, yeah. And, and it's, you know, some people relate that to the Yowie ability, potential ability to emit infrasound, which is that uh, extremely low frequency sound that we can't hear with our ears, but that our inner organs and our inner ear is, is reacting to, and it makes you feel uneasy, sometimes a bit sick, a bit nauseous, but panic-stricken. It's possibly what was happening with you there. Yeah, and I, I, guess, the, I guess for me one of, the, one of the telling things is that these three incidences, I hadn't connected them at all. I remember them all really clearly. It wasn't until I, I, read, I learned about Yowie's that I, I saw the connection and, you know, at, at 14, I would have been thinking um, something's watching me. It's probably an alien because <laughs> I, I was right into space, <laughs> into aliens and, uh, and, and spacemen or some evil spirit. I was also very much into tarot cards. Um, but it, it does make sense because, in fact, um, where that happened was very close to where the neighbour had seen the, the the hairy man on the road. It was it was along the same boundary line of the, of the property, and that was only a, just before that was a week or so or a few yeah, weeks it, or something. Yeah, it's hard to remember exactly the time frames, but I'd say within within twelve months uh, at the at the maximum. Yeah, right. right. Mm. That's really interesting. I'd love to I'd love to know whether the people who are living there now have had sightings, have had you know. Yowie encounters going on in the same area. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, it's still very uh, wild up there near Kuiper Forest and in the Adelaide Hills. Hasn't been um, made into a into a town or it's still very much in the back back roads. I visited there last last um, drove past actually last Christmas. It's still very wild. I'll have to put that on my my list when when we're when we're allowed to go travelling again. Yeah, <laughs> saying that from and another lockdown in Victoria. Yes, 
And, and you know, the, the other interesting thing is that right next to our property, which was very manicured and beautiful, there were large areas of uncleared bush, like uh, 15 to 20 uh, acres or hectares, blocks of absolute virgin bushland. And that hardly anyone goes up goes into. Yeah, yeah. yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was it hadn't been developed at all. We used to go um, bushwalking, uh, blueberry, uh, blackberry uh, picking, and but it was it was completely untouched. Are you still researching yowies, or are you <laughs> too busy to yeah. <laughs> too um, busy to research? I, I I think that yowies are incredible in the sense that it's had such a long history. Um, they've been with us since colonial times. Um, there's just so, so many reports about them. And they just hold this fascination for me, at least, as, as, as the great unknown. And as a, a keen enthusiast of um, human evolution and uh, the, 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 the homo um, species, uh, like we're the last ones what, that we know of, you recall the uh, the hobbit that they found in Indonesia, the uh, the Homo floresiensis, who yep. lived, I think, tw- up to twenty, t- ten, maybe ten to twenty thousand years ago, yep. and of course the Neanderthals, who were around up until forty thousand years ago. So, if you look at the family, tr- the, the most recent family tree of human evolution, um, there were times in the not so recent past where we shared this planet with with twelve, thirteen different species of human who may have had language, who definitely used tools and had culture, wouldn't it be great to, to meet one? Yes, it so would. <laughs> yeah. It so would. Or, you know, what is there a possibility that something like that evolves alongside us in the future? Probably not because we're such a destructive race. We'd probably kill them all anyway. Yeah. Um, well, that, that's, you know, so many people, when we talk about the Yowie or the Bigfoot in the States, people, there are a lot of people who are into like killing one. Yeah. You know, yeah, and I, no. I, I, that's so, that's the antithesis of why I research. Uh, it's, it's, it's so far from my mind, but. You know. <laughs> no, I'd just like to uh, learn, learn. There'd be so much to learn from, from another species of human. I mean, yeah. chimpanzees were recently reclassified as 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 a part of the human species. Oh, were they? That's interesting. Yeah, it was like ten, or not recently, like five or six years ago. Yeah, right. So, do they are mm. they homo homo? They're homo now, yes. Homo chimpanzees yes. or something like that. We're not, we're not the only we're not the only homos on the planet anymore. <laughs> 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 yeah, but I that would be wouldn't that be amazing? I would love to know how. How their thought processes worked, you know, how Neanderthal men and Neanderthal women's, how did they think? Did they have a sense of humour? Did they exactly? And, and you know, they they were Neanderthals were an extremely successful uh, species of human. Can't quite recall how long they were on the planet before us, but something like a million or two million years before us, before modern Homo sapiens actually evolved, and they had tools. They had. Um, uh, they, they practiced um, burial. They also found a, um, it's, no one really knows for sure, but it looks like a bone flute, so they could have had music as well. Wow. Uh-huh. Yeah, culture. culture. Culture, yes. Yes. <laughs> of course, there's the, the recent um, genomic studies that show that many Europeans, most Europeans have some Neanderthal DNA in them. Yes. <laughs> that blew my mind when I heard that. Yeah. <laughs> 
makes you think that maybe modern Homo sapiens are a bit of a, a mix match of different species of of of, of prior humans, that genetic mix. Yeah, because I guess yeah. And are but we a, are we the pinnacle? Are we the last ones, or will we no. evolve into something else? I think so. I think um, well, evolution takes a takes a very long time. First yeah. of all, I always thought you know as a species we are so we are so new. And if you look at well, modern humans have been around probably a million years, but we haven't had um, language and cultures for for that long. Uh, probably around a hundred thousand years of that time. Compared to other species which have been around for millions of years, we're quite early on in our journey of finding out who we are as a species. We're still we're still finding our feet of what our place in the on the planet is and what we're capable of and where this this species will take us. So I see us as very much um, in baby steps as a as a as a species, and we haven't reached our full potential yet. The, the mind boggles at the possibilities then of what what might we be able to do or will we devolve instead? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, yeah. Because we're yeah, so destructive uh, and so we, we're often very self-destructive. So, you know, will we improve as evolution often improves to suit the environment? Are we, will we be in a bit, any better at that or, or are we just going to get worse? <laughs> exactly, and, the, and and thinking about kind of parallel evolution and the future of um, humans. One thing that that puzzles me, and um, there was a, uh, a Today Show interview a few years back on 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 the Owies. There was an expert who'd written a book about them, um, and he called it the sixty four thousand dollar question: Why why haven't we? Why do we have one? Why do, why why is there no example of a Yowie that's ever been exhibited or seen or Oh, okay, there are kind of um, blurry photographs mm. and, and footprints and things, but where is the example, the specimen of a Yowie? That's the $64,000 question. And and part of my mind is thinking, well, so many people have seen them. There can't be some kind of collective practical joke. Yeah, <laughs> or some collective mass hysteria. Uh, yeah, you know. it's, not like, it's not like drop bears. No, no, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so... So they they must be they must have or well, obviously they evolved alongside humans somewhere on the planet and and with the with the first Australians as well. So I guess they they have become absolutely adept at avoiding avoiding modern humans and must have an incredible intelligence to be able to pull that off. Yeah, you know, close to close close to ours. Yeah. So that's it's it's such a fascinating subject. I remember when I when I first heard Ron Moorhead's Sierra sounds, the the, the sounds that he captured up in that uh, logging logging camp was it? Well, up in the oh, Sierra Mountains, Sierra I, Nevada. Mountain. I haven't I haven't heard them. I'm going to have to. I'll jump jump online after this and have a listen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do because actually, look up. There's a man called Scott Nelson, and he's yeah. he's a ex Navy transcription expert. So, uh, yeah. so he went up there, and well, he he spent. I think it took him about four months to analyze and transcribe all the sounds that he heard. I think sixty odd hours of of recording, and it took him a, mm. a long time. But he's on transcribing it all, slowing it down, analyzing it. He is convinced, and this is a a, a linguist. He's a language expert. Mm. He's convinced that. The to and fro 
were different creatures having a conversation and that he would categorise it as language. Uh, mm. Absolutely fascinating. Che- yeah, check it out. But w- when I when I first heard those sounds and then I listened to Scott Nelson do this this presentation, then, of course, I started thinking, well, if they've, you know, it sounds like they've got a sense of humour if they've got language, therefore they've got some kind of culture and they have uh, their sentient beings. They, 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 they you know, my, my mind started, they started seeming more hominin rather than hominid and mm. uh, that was really exciting to me. There's a, there's a great book that's quite hefty. It's called um, The Singing Neanderthal. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, uh, It came out maybe oh, 10 years ago now. It's a scientific book. It's about the origins of language in oh, humans. Yeah. Well worth a read, probably uh, 3,000 pages. But he makes a really good point that language isn't unique to, to, to humans. Whales sing. Oh, and his point is that singing came before language that we express ourselves in sounds and modular. So the high-pitched sound um, is always associated with the type of behaviour. You see it in chimps uh, as well. And and, and that that kind of like um, sing-song intonation expresses a lot of how we we feel. The proto-language was probably a series of gestures and um, high and low sounds that that had a fairly basic meaning, uh-huh. and I guess he makes he makes a really interesting point that humans aren't the only animals that can, that develop um, singing. Um, whales are a perfect example. Yeah. Um, uh, made me think that when this uh, uh, Scott Nelson anal- analyzing the sounds of in the Sierra Nevada mountains, he cites a similar study in the singing Neanderthals, where a, um, a linguist. Um, analyzed hours of whale song and determined that the the content of of a few hours of whale song was equivalent to the Iliad or the Odyssey. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) And um, but birds are another singing animal and we all know that parrots can talk. Yes, (laughs) we do. And and look at lyrebirds. (laughs) And lyrebirds are incredible. That's just the expression from, from sound that, that I guess the point there is that um, perhaps it's not language as we know it, but it's a, uh, these sounds are probably a sophisticated back back of emotional thought or, or way of expression. Yeah, and it's a, it's, it's, a a commun- it's, a, it's a conversation of some kind. It's a conversation of some there's kind. There's meaning. Yeah. There's meaning behind each response. Yes. yes. Yeah. 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 So it, so then then I, when I start thinking about wow, this 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 incredible being that thousands thousands of people are seeing all over the world regularly today throughout millennia but also recently you know i had a report from just last week so yeah 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 i get we've been inundated with reports in the last few weeks some of them a couple of them are historical but quite a few of them are recent uh with bundaberg's been a bit of a hot spot of late in queensland yeah yeah really interesting but so my sense of awe and wonder of these creatures just increases the more research I do on them. And, and the more I want to protect them, you know, and the more I, f- I, the less I want to actually go out field researching because I do sometimes, but I, mm. I almost feel like I don't want to bother them and I don't want to intrude because they clearly don't want a part of us. No. <laughs> They're not interested in us. We're just a pain mm. in the buttsky to them. So, mm. Yeah, it makes me feel less inclined to 
go out in the bush with a camera and trying to cat, get a photo of them and pursue them and hunt them in inverted commas, uh, I, yeah, I feel like doing that less and less. Mm. In that case, they're pretty smart because if they were, if they, they were revealed, I, I have no doubt they'd be hunted to extinction. Um, yeah. And <clears throat> the intention probably might be to, to, to save them or protect them or, or to do something, but it would mean rounding them all up and taking a very colonial attitude to to looking after them. Yeah, yeah, in inverted <laughs> commas, looking after them, yeah. Yeah, ex- exactly, exactly. Yeah, Australia's very good at that kind of thing. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we, we, have, we have form. We have form. <laughs> That's right, that's right. Is there anything else you wanted to add to our fascinating oh. discussion? This is a, this is a kind of like a, a, an aside, maybe it's a, for a different it's, it's a different um, time. But I also remember that I was running a film festival at some point here in Melbourne, and we had this entry in from Queensland, where this uh, intrepid young filmmaker was looking for um, this hooligan in a remote part of Queensland who was going around breaking trees and throwing rocks on roofs. Yeah, right. How interesting. And, and the whole community <laughs> thought it was a group of teenagers. And I was looking at, at that time, I was, I was, I was researching Yowies, and, and I just recognised it as classic Yowie behaviour. Exactly. And, but in the video, they actually weren't even aware of it. They weren't even, the, the word Yowie didn't even come up. They yeah, just right. assumed, assumed they were looking for this um, teenager who was wreaking havoc and sneaking in the backyards and moving things around, throwing rocks on roofs and running away breaking trees. Probably the majority of the population don't, it wouldn't even cross their minds. They've either never heard of them, they don't realise that we actually have a creature like Bigfoot here in Australia, um, mm. wouldn't even occur to them. Somebody I interviewed recently, a couple of young girls who were chased by one on a beach. Now it's become, uh, ter- it was terrifying and I believe them. I've, I've spoken to them and, and they were just absolutely terrified and but in their community words getting around that they saw one and they're just copying people calling them liars and publicly you know being really unkind god yeah yeah it's really awful like some people assholes but anyway it deters people from coming out with their experiences and their stories but it also just reflects that large part of the population who have very narrow minds and no idea what's really out there and what's really going on out there. Yeah, I guess it's the and, and, and the media is the same and and to, uh, it's the whole sixty four thousand dollar question. And unless people see see a, a specimen or a very clear photograph or video or you know a, a dead one, <laughs> yeah, the greater community are not gonna gonna believe it. No, no. I've reached the point now where it's like I don't – I only bother talking about it with other people who are interested in the subject because I don't care. I'm, it's not my job to convince anybody. And if no. someone doesn't believe, they can go and do their own research. <laughs> I've been researching exactly. for years and years. So if you, you – mm. don't, don't expect me to try and convince you. You go and do some research and, <laughs> and see what you find out. Hello? Anybody there? Oh, bugger. 
He earned his fame and many names from Hilda Dead to Sands. He tears with ease the money trees with huge and horny hands. He walks the night, his eyes are light, his teeth are chisel blades. The baddest bastard in the bush and other accolades. He ain't afraid of water made, he tunnels and he climbs. And on the ground he's been around since megaphone times. The homie her and omnivore will take what he can find. And when you think you got him pegged, he'll hit you from behind. The crews of Australia were right to bloody fear. The things he did, he'll take the kids, you'll tremble when you hear. Completely unpredictable, a little like a wife. He'll sever all your normal like a knife. You see him and he changed your bloody life, yeah. A hero of a hairy man, a Julie God. The Nazi bloody scary man. The legend in the first of all, you You really shouldn't mess around with Dooley I laugh at all the city types that say he can't exist. And reckon all the witnesses were wasted with a piss. But pretty soon they'll change their tune, they know what he got it wrong. Sometimes Geek from TV says he's been there all along. Of course, he bloody hard to wear and hide if I was him. Cause man, a bloody bastard's on the odds of pretty slam. Perfect because I believe it must be said He ain't about for sticking out his head The paddy's bottom down the river bed Yeah, a hero and a hairy man A Dooley The Nazi bloody scary man A Dooley The legend in the first of all A Dooley You really shouldn't mess around with Dooley A hero and a hairy man A Dooley The Nazi bloody scary man A Dooley The legend in the first of all A Dooley You really shouldn't mess around with Dooley Oh yeah, I need a better 
Bando Road with A Better Day and before that, Doolagal by Brett Young. You're listening to Sarah on Yowie Central and you're on 94.9 Main FM. If you've had an encounter with a Yowie or you've seen a ghost or had a scary UFO experience or any other weird stuff, get in touch with me via yowiecentral at gmail.com or via the Yowie Central Facebook group. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here's the second part of my chat with Simon. Yeah, I think it's um, I think it's entirely. Uh, it's just it's, the evidence is just overwhelming. The, yeah. the one one of the things for me also is the um, the colonial uh, accounts of Yowies, as as if they were something normal. They were they were an animal that people would encounter. Just one of the, another one of the exotic um, fauna of Australia back back in the very early days. And you don't go back two hundred years to make a stage a hoax. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Actually, I just read what was the one I read recently. Um, Paul Cropper posted it on our on our AYR Facebook. Uh, it was an old newspaper article, um, but they described a creature like a baboon. So it's often described as either a gorilla or or a baboon. And you know why why would they lie uh, about something like that? Yeah, and and the other thing the other thing for me is first Australian tradition of the Yowie and. And the local Dreamtime mythology relating to Yowies, mm-hmm. been they've been around for since since the Dreamtime. Yeah, I, sp- <laughs> I spoke to this lovely <laughs> Aboriginal man yesterday. I interviewed him about a a, a sighting that he had in Yandina, which is um, just in the Sunshine Coast hinterland, and he been told stories by his father and. Uh, it, 
absolutely fascinating, but something to be feared. Like it's not something you muck around with. It's it's a very wow. serious subject. And he was taught that. So there's the big hairy fellas and the little hairy fellas. The Dulagal and the and the Junjidi. Well, the Junjidi apparently are the ones you need to be really careful of. They're an ancient entity and don't have your best interests at heart and can mimic human beings. Um, and they mm. often a lot of the stories that Aboriginal people in in his area told their children they not the children aren't allowed to play outside at night. And it's not just a scare tactic to keep the kids from roaming around at night. It's it's a real danger that they can be taken if you're not careful by the Junjidi. And he talked about whenever his father would talk about these things. He was looking up Bigfoot in the in the United States and found mm. there's a white there's some footage of a white Bigfoot from Pennsylvania. He showed it to his father and he said, My father paled and he said, Yep, yeah, that's one of them. And he was he was fascinated to find out that they're actually there's a similar creature in the States, in fact, all over the world. But his his father was adamant that you don't muck around with these things. They're real. They're out there. And they're, they're, they're dangerous. Yeah. The, the, I, think, I think I've got my, most of my material is from the Australian Yowie Research site, which I highly recommend to listeners. Yes, um, me too. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> there's one myth, Aboriginal myth there, which is terrifying, about an encounter in a cave read it many years ago that it was basically like a war like a like a um, confrontation between between a, a tribe and a, a tribe of humans and a, tri- a tribe of, of yaois i don't have to dig that up again yeah. refine it and there's also a really beautiful creation myth um related to yaois and cockatoos oh really where, yes and it's about how humans started eating meat um how humans used to be vegetarian and then there was a shortage of food and um, uh, one of them killed a kangaroo and ate the meat. And I think uh, I'm not telling the story very well. I apologize for any listeners who know it. <laughs> um, but across the river, the, there was a Yowie present. And I think the Yowie turned into a cockatoo and flew into into the sky and became, became one of the, the stars or, star, or one of the constellations. I'll find the story and I'll send you the link, Sarah. Yeah, yeah, if I'd love to. If yeah. you've got if you've got got a web page for the show, it's a beautiful story. Yeah, actually, oh yeah, send it to me. Send me the link. I'll look it up and and mm. maybe I can I can tell the story on the show. That'd be yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a beautiful creation um, myth with the Yowies yeah. in it. Yeah, it's interesting. I've heard now from a couple of different Aboriginal people. Some of the big ones are like guardians of the bush, guardians of the, the of the land and good ones. But then mm. there are some really bad big ones as well. And apparently the, the bad ones have a really bad stench of sulphur and rotten meat. So the good ones smell, but they don't smell that sulfuric smell that so many witnesses describe of that oh. awful stench that makes you feel sick and feel like throwing up. And in fact, the, the fellow I spoke to yesterday talked about how the ones, the big ones with the pointier heads, with the cone head shape, are the really bad mm. ones. And the, the ones that have got a rounder, more man like face and head uh, are the good ones. So that's interesting too. I hadn't heard it, that before. We get reports of both of those shaped of the head. We get cone head shapes and round heads, but I hadn't heard that the, well, his belief was that the pointy head ones were the evil ones. 
Oh, it's, it's good to know if, if you encounter a, encounter a yaoi, the first thing you should take notice of is the shape of its head. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and its odour. <laughs> and its odour, yes. <laughs> if, it's got a po- if it's got a cone head and it's smelling like sulphur, skedaddle out of there. <laughs> Yeah. So, so are there any any ideas about what happens to to them when they die? What happens to their bodies? Why 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 are there no why is there no fossil record or no? Oh, well, from what I understand, one it's it's unusual to find the bones or the remains of any dead animal out in the bush because mm. it's okay. picked apart by predators pretty quickly anyway. There, yeah. there is another theory though that I've heard in that is that that they bury their dead. One as perhaps a, a respect part of a ceremony, but also perhaps as a way of avoiding um, human beings coming across them. Um, mm. But it, it would make sense to me if we, if they are as intelligent as we, as many people believe they are, and that they have language, that they have culture. Why wouldn't they have that same respect for their dead, and that they bury them? Or that they're trans-dimensional creatures, and when they die, they they, they disappear from this dimension. Hmm. I don't know. I, I I wish I had. I wish I had all the answers. <laughs> mm. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that's two of the theories that I've heard, and it it really is unusual to find remi- remains of dead animals in the bush. Anyway, they don't stay there for very long. Decompose yeah. predators. You know. There's there's pretty good evidence that Neanderthals buried their dead. Right there, you go. So, so that would be an example of a of yeah. a of a of a different human species practicing um, burial. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it's not it's not completely far fetched. And Australia is a big place. It sure is. <laughs> yes. I mean, how how long were they looking for those those poor backpackers that were murdered by Ivan Milat in the Belangelo State Forest? I mean, you, you, there could be any number of other victims out there that will never be found. I've got a friend who um, works um, as a geologist um, for the South Australian government and uh, her lifetime job is to go prospecting just to make a map of the geology of South Australia. They won't finish in their lifetime. Oh, wow. What a fun, that'd be fun though. What a great job. It would. <laughs> it, just, it just is mind-boggling that, that you, can take, you can take photos. I, I suppose things have changed a lot. And with drones and, and remote sensing, but she was saying that the only real way to understand the geology of a place is to is to go there and and, and prospect and take samples. Yeah. And she was saying that it's South Australia has basically it's done maybe like a fifth of it or tenth of it. It's so much. It's so massive. It's hard to kind of get the scale the scale of it. I was kind of thinking also one thing that fascinates me is is where they where the whole concept of a hide where they live because yes. um, they they've been discovered haven't they the hides well yeah some some people believe yeah. they they have absolutely mm. the areas where mm. they've bedded down or, or caves yeah. where they've it appears that a large creature a large meat eating creature has bedded down yes yeah so, well, well, cave systems. A theory that I've heard over in the states and here in Australia is that they move around and live in the many deep cave systems that we have. Right, of course, um, with their excellent eyesight. I guess it does get pretty dark in caves, though. Yeah, well, yeah, but they, you know, they can <clears throat> see in the dark, from what I've heard. So it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a problem, I don't think. No. I sometimes think then 
that's feasible, but how, you know, caves are notoriously difficult to move around in. There's, there's, there's big caverns, but there's also very tiny little, you know, narrow passageways and things. If we're talking about a really large creature, not every cave system is going to be able to accommodate the size of a creature like that. So that's, that's right. If, if it has a large opening, how that's something that humans would most, most definitely um, stumble across and find. Yeah. I, so who was it? I think it's David Polides who did the, or Polides, I think they answered over in the States, an American mm. detective who's spent years uh, doing this project called Missing 411. I think it's the Can-Am, mm. the Can-Am project, I think he's called it. But he's investigated all these, the hundreds of missing people from national parks that have gone missing in very mysterious circumstances. Mm. And he's, he's sort of got a map and pinpointed a lot of those disappearances and it weirdly correlates with places in the states where there are extensive cave systems. Ooh. So, uh, you know, in, in the United States that could be a way that they're moving around if, if, it, if it correlates with <clears throat> cave systems. That, that's an interesting thing to keep in mind. So. Out of curiosity, has the um, research centre ever embarked on a on a GIS, a geographical information system, to plot the the sightings on a um, GPS accurate map? No, I don't think we have. We've certainly got an interactive map on our website with icons all over the the map of Australia, and you just click on yep. each particular place, and the report comes up. But I, we mm. don't have an accurate. Uh, it's not an accurate. What did you call it? A geo uh, G- uh, GIS, a geographical information system. Yeah, no, we don't have that. But that would be fascinating, wouldn't it? It's not really a new area. I'd say it's coming into its own in the last or oh, fifteen to twenty years. Um, and this is the concept that a lot of data you can't really make sense of unless it's on a map, which we we all know for sure. Yeah, <laughs> but. <laughs> Rather than just having a map of Australia and pointing out, you know, where all the Seven Elevens are, um, <laughs> the concept of GIS is is that you pull in large amounts of data from every single type of source. So um, one layer of data would be um, Yowie sightings, and then another, another layer of data might be, if you're interested, pulling in all the water systems or cave systems on top of that. Yes. Or you might be interested in looking at rainfall patterns or you might be interested in looking at tourist attractions or you might be interested in looking at, at, at streets or, or highways or buildings. So you can you can quickly analyse visually and match up different sources of data to see if you can recognise patterns. And just, it just occurred to me it might be an interesting avenue of research to pursue. Yeah. So how do you go about that? Is there an app that you can use to create yeah, one of those? There's, there's, yeah, there is. There's an open source program called QGIS. That's Q for Quince, <laughs> G-I-S. Uh-huh. Um, it, it's kind of like Photoshop. You have layers and you drag things in. It can read satellite images. It can read uh, C- CSV files. You can you can plot stuff onto a map. Maybe um, after the call or after the interview, I'll, um, I'll, I'll forward you on some information about that. I've spent a few years um, honing my skills in. Oh, that would be fantastic because there's there's other there's other things. There's yeah, that would be amazing. I'm, I'm, my mind is now <laughs> thinking yes. of all the possibilities. <laughs> yeah, please yes. do send me some links on that, and I'll I'll look into it because that would be really yeah. useful for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah de- definitely. De- it just occurred to me that it would be interesting to look at some of the geological or human human um, settlement patterns and the sightings and national park boundaries and 
Yeah. There's really a lot of stuff you can do with GIS. We often have sightings around goldfields. I've read that it could be to do with the electromagnetic energy generated by all the quartz in the ground or oh. that it's related to granitic rock as well. Uh, but but quartz, quartz particularly was a, a creates a, a, an electromagnetic field that enables, if, if, if we're talking about interdimensional travel, that, that is somehow enables the membrane between oh, okay. dimensions to become thinner. There, there are certain, I'm not sure exactly how it works, mm. but there are definite correlations between gold fields and sightings. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So it'd be interesting to analyse the geographical makeup, ge- geological makeup, I should say, of certain areas with mm. sightings as well. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and and a lot of these data sets uh, for Australia are pushed to by the government as open source. There's just so much data, geographical data available on the cloud out there that you can just drag into your GIS and quickly do comparisons that and is, create different maps. Yeah. Yeah, that's very cool. I'm going to check it out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds excellent. I can't tell you how much I have enjoyed chatting to you. And <laughs> Me too. It, it's been great. <laughs> Anytime you get ideas or you want you want to chat, Yowie, uh, you can come on the show again. I'd love to have you, or just give me a call and we'll have a we'll have a chin wave. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I could. I, 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 after this conversation, my my mind mind is going to be racing with uh, with with other avenues. Yay! <laughs> yeah. Yay! We'll get back to yeah. me as soon as you've done some investigative work. Get back to I me will. with your findings. <laughs> I will. I will. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, we pleasure. Pleasure. Time. No worries. <laughs> And that's all we've got time for this week, folks. Yowie Central will be back next week. Same time, same place on 94.9 Main FM. I'll catch you next week. Out in the cold, out in the dark, something's lurking at the edge of the park. People be warned, people beware, there's a storm on the rise and it's covered in hair. Hear him cry, hear him howl, looking for someone to disembowel. Claws like a hook, eyes like coal, feet so big they're gonna crush your soul. They call him Sasquatch.
be rich Your pretty young thing Better hide the glint of your diamond ring Your fancy jacket won't be worth a dime When you're sucking the blood right out of your spine Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.